Hello, my name is Ed Frawley. Today we're going to do a new podcast on dog aggression and remote collars. This podcast is going to deal with the evolution of using remote collars to deal with dog aggression. The podcast is not about teaching people how to start training with a remote collar. That's a completely different topic. I bought my first electric collar in 1979, a long time ago. It was a Tritronics Pro 100 that cost $1,000. That collar today is the Model T Ford of remote collars. So just as remote collars have drastically changed and improved over the years, so too is the training and the application of using remote collars, which reminds me of one of the best quotes I ever heard on dog training, which is, when you know better, you do better. And hopefully this uh, quote will apply to many of the things that we talk about in this podcast. When remote collars first came on the market many years ago, we thought we could use electric collars to stop dog fights and or stop dog aggression by simply stimulating the dog while it was showing aggression. One doesn't need to do this too many times to quickly learn that This often makes things a lot worse. Too often, dogs that get stimulated while acting aggressively actually think the stimulation is coming from the other dog. And if they're fighting, they fight harder. If they're on leash and they can't get to the other dog, many will turn and redirect their aggression into their handler. That means they bite their handler. Those of us who have trained police service dogs or dogs in the biting sports have often seen young dogs being trained in protection work who turn and strike their handler just because their handler pats them on the side to tell them they're doing a good job. When this happens, it happens only because it's a reflex action with the young dog. It happens because the young dog's mind quits working. It's so pumped up that, it, that its brain stops. The same thing can happen if a dog gets stimulated from a remote collar while it's in a high state of agitation and focused on another dog. Now, that's why dogs would turn and strike their handlers. The next training method that came along involves stimulating in the reactive dog when it just looked at another dog. We didn't wait until the dog started to bark or act aggressively. We kept a close eye on our dog, and the moment he looked at another dog, he got stimulated. This worked with some dogs, but with other more reactive dogs who got stimulated at too high of a level of stimulation from the collar, it resulted in the dog again redirecting their aggression into the handler. And again, that means they got bit. We found that lowering the level of stimulation from the collar often eliminated this redirection problem. We also learned to start the the process at a greater distance from the second dog. The key being to find the lowest level of stimulation that caused the dog to redirect their attention away from the second dog without redirecting aggression into the handler. We learned that the levels of stimulation often needed to be changed during training. Dogs that were faced 
with a higher level of distraction needed a higher level of stimulation than they would normally get. We also found that some dogs needed increasingly higher levels of stimulation because they became desensitized to lower levels while other dogs would redirect away from the second dog with increasingly lower levels of stimulation. So the bottom line is each dog reacts differently. It's the handler's job to read his dog and make appropriate adjustments throughout training. This topic is covered in the DVDs that we produce on training with remote collars. Now, this system that we trained secondly was trained by taking an aggressive dog for a walk in an area where the owner knew exactly where other dogs were located. The handler closely watched these dogs and the instant their dog focused on the other dog, the handler said no and stimulated their dog. A second method involved asking a friend with a dog to meet them at a football field. Your friend would be at one end of the field with his dog and you would walk towards your friend from the other end of the field. The moment your dog saw the other dog, it got stimulated. Now this process would be repeated again and again so the handler could actually measure the progress by the yard line markers. This method worked, but handlers often found their dogs didn't generalize the training. That means that the dogs wouldn't act aggressively on football fields, but they would act aggressively when they saw another dog and they were walking on the street. The problem with this system, if you think about it, is the dog is initially getting a correction for something it doesn't understand. The dog looks at another dog and you say no and it gets corrected. Does the dog think it's being corrected because it's walking in the wrong position or because it's standing next to a goalpost or because of a million other reasons of which only one could be looking at the other dog. So it was inherently unfair to the dog. The fact is, a correction is only warranted when the dog knows exactly what is expected to do, but it refuses to comply. That's not what was happening with this second system of remote collar training and aggression. The dog is being corrected, and it's not clear why it's being corrected. Over time, we found a much better way. Today, we begin to teach commands with marker training. One of the first commands we teach is look or watch me. This simply means we want the dog to look in our face when we ask him. When it's trained with markers, it's, much, it's a much easier command to teach than the sit or the down. So we start with the look or watch me command. During marker training, we use high value rewards. I've written extensively on high value rewards in the article that I wrote titled The Power of Training Dogs with Markers and the DVD of the same name. Now the basic command pardon me, the basic concept of this training involves us saying look and we mark the dog with yes the moment he looks at our eyes. After the mark, 
we quickly deliver a high-value reward. With training, the reward delivery becomes an interactive event that builds drive and engagement with our dogs. Now, for new trainers, engagement simply means the dog wants to be with us and it wants what we have. We teach them through repetition that they can earn rewards if they do what we ask. Engagement with some dogs mean the ha means the handler needs to get excited about the dog complying. They need to give multiple high-value food rewards to extend the time that the dog is engaged, and that's important. With other dogs, engagement means the handler plays tug for an extended period of time with a high-value toy reward. This food and tug work is covered in the two DVDs that I did with Michael Ellis, the food work being covered in the power of training dogs with food and the tug work with the power of playing tug with your dog. Now, in the beginning stages of marker training, we don't use corrections for non-compliance. We simply say, nope, repeat the command, and have the dog try and do it again. When the value of the reward is high enough, dogs quickly learn that nope means that they're not going to get their reward until they do what we ask them to do. Now, back to engagement. Engagement is the most important aspect of all dog training. Think about that statement for a second. If you don't have engagement, then your dog doesn't really want to be with you. The only way you can train a dog that's not engaged with you is to force him. Too often, new trainers miss this point. They try and train behaviors before they've established engagement, and they wonder why their dog doesn't like, to do, doesn't like training and it's not learning anything. So, after we have engagement, and after we have taught our dog the behavior look or watch me, we then start the work to generalize that behavior by adding low-level distractions. These distractions that we use uh, will vary on the temperament of the dog, the drive of the dog, and the environment that we place the dog in. It should be mentioned that all of this work is done on leash. Not only is the dog on leash, but it can also be wearing a remote collar. Even though the collar is not yet being used in our training, we put the collar on the dog and we take it off the dog several times a day. Every time we put the collar on, we mark the collar when it goes on and give a reward as soon as, the dog's, as soon as it's on the dog's neck. Our goal is to desensitize the dog to wearing the remote collar. When we start to train the look command, we do it in a location that the dog feels comfortable. This means a distraction-free environment like your kitchen or your backyard. The goal of this work is to teach the dog to stop doing what it's doing and look at us when we ask him to look. When the dog learns to look in our house, we then teach the dog to generalize the look command in the backyard, in the front yard, in our neighbor's yard, or down the street, in the parking lot of the mall. In other words, we teach the dog to look 
when it's in a distracting environment. The key to this training is to gradually increase distractions. We don't go from our kitchen to standing outside of a dog park and expecting a dog, aggressive dog, to comply and look when we tell them to look. It's not going to happen. That's unrealistic training. Distractions can start out being a family member tossing a ball. It can be a dog's favorite toy just laying on the ground. It could be a family member walking past. New trainers need to learn to take the time it takes for every command. When we move locations, we're actually introducing new distractions, so we need to help our dogs. If this means that we lure the dog with a reward, we lure it. If we find the dog can't focus, we maybe back up the training and find a location that's a little less distracting. During the learning phase, we need to be very careful about introducing corrections for not minding. Always remember that corrections on a dog that has not generalized the command is an unfair correction. This is where the hard part of dog training comes in. That is, determining if the dog is intentionally blowing you off when asked to do something because he doesn't want to do it, or is the dog not complying because it doesn't understand what's being asked of it and it hasn't generalized the command yet. Some words of advice is to always err on the side of your dog not understanding what you're asking, at least in the beginning part of your training. You're never going to hurt anything if you help your dog with the command. You're going to damage your relationship with your dog if you give the dog a correction and it doesn't know why it's being corrected. So, when we reach the point, though, that we're 100% sure the dog knows what's being asked and it has generalized the behavior, we're at the point where we can introduce corrections for noncompliance. We then take the dog to a location that has a level of distractions we feel the dog will not comply at. Or we go to a neutral location and we add distractions. If the dog is asked to look and it refuses, we simply say nope and we pop the leash. We teach the dog that if it refuses the command, it's going to be told no and it's going to get a leash correction. This process continues in the face of higher and higher levels of distraction. Now in the beginning, we don't use other dogs as distractions on a dog aggressive dog. On a scale of one to 10, another dog to a dog aggressive dog is a level 10 distraction. A similar concept applies to corrections. We don't start with a level 10 correction. We need to experiment. We need to find the point of compliance. With some dogs, being told no may be enough. With other dogs, it might be a level one or a level two correction. While with some dogs, it could be a level five or a level seven. These levels are also going to change depending on the level of distraction the dog is put in. This is where the art of dog training comes into play. Every trainer 
needs to establish their own levels based on the temperament, the drive, the experience their dog has had in training, and the environment the handler puts his dog in. So when a dog doesn't comply to a command, the handler has to think about several different options. Should he say nope and make the dog just do it again? Uh, should he increase the value of the reward that's being used in his training? Many times new trainers don't use high enough value rewards. They don't use a reward that makes the dog want to do it. Should the trainer change the environment to reduce the level of distraction if his dog doesn't comply? Should he stay in the same place and just add distance between the dog and the distraction? Or has he reached the point where it's time to correct the dog to the point of compliance? And one more time, if a correction is used, it's absolutely imperative the dog knows the meaning of the command and it has chosen not to comply. When a dog understands what a correction is and why he's getting corrected, it's ready to be introduced and conditioned to remote callers. But we can't say this enough. Before a remote collar is used in dog training, the dog must understand what a leash correction is and he must know why he's getting a leash correction. In other, in other words, he must understand the command. Now, the handler must also take his dog through the process where he determines the work level of stimulation on the remote collar to use during the conditioning phase of training. That work is beyond the scope of this article and covered in the training DVDs we've done on remote collars. The foundation for remote collar training with aggressive dogs is dealt with by the handler putting his dog in a situation of increasingly higher levels of distractions while he's giving the look in the watch me command. If the dog doesn't comply, again, it gets the leash correction paired with a burst of continuous low-level stimulation from the remote collar. But with that said, the level of correction, while I said low-level, must be high enough must be strong enough to cause the dog to redirect and comply with the look command. If the dog has been properly conditioned to the remote collar, it will understand that these corrections are for not looking. When the dog gets the burst of stimulation from the remote collar at the same time it's getting a leash correction, it's going to think, I know what that leash correction is. This feels just a little bit different, but I know I'm getting it for not looking when I'm asked to look. Now, when the handler feels that his dog aggressive dog is ready to add other dogs to the training, he can then take his dog to a location where his dog can just see another dog. At the moment his dog sees the other dog, he gives a look command and if necessary, a leash correction paired with the remote collar stimulation. At this point, our training system may seem a little similar to the old training methods, 
but it's not. The difference being that we're correcting a dog for not looking at us when we ask him to look. The dog understands it's being corrected for not complying to the look command. This is a very clear distinction to our dog. When the foundation has been properly set, there isn't any confusion on the dog's part about what's happening. Now, when the dog does redirect back to us, we turn the compliance into a party. We get excited, we give multiple food rewards, we can move back away from the other dog to draw our dog with us. Our job as a trainer is to engage our dog and keep it engaged. We do what we can do to keep the dog engaged. Too often trainers, new trainers, to the system of, of marker training don't engage their dog enough and for a long enough period of time. Engagement is not about giving the dog one piece of food or tossing the dog uh, its favorite tug toy. Engagement is about creating an atmosphere of extended periods of time that the dog is focused on us and wants to be with us. When we get engagement in the face of other dogs, we're making headway in dealing with dog aggression. The long-term goal of this training is to gradually get our dogs closer and closer to other dogs and still be able to get compliance and engagement with our dogs. But whenever our dogs do not comply to the look or the watch command, it gets a leash correction paired with stimulation from the remote collar. A point to think about here is if the dog refuses to play with us after a correction, be it a leash correction or a remote collar correction, the level of correction was probably too high. So keep that in mind as you work with your dog. Now, one more time. In the beginning, we don't take a dog aggressive dog right next to a dog park, which we strongly disapprove of anyway. But we will go near a dog park and gradually train our dogs or take our dogs closer and closer to the park with the goal being to keep our dog engaged with us. And when the dog loses engagement, we'll give the look command paired with a remote collar correction. And I'll once again bring up the quote that I said at the beginning of this podcast is, take the time it takes to do this training correctly. Don't put yourself on a self-imposed timeline. Just do the work, do it, and take as much time as you have to do to maintain engagement with your dog and to only use the amount of corrections that you have to use to get compliance. But a warning to, a warning to the wise here is don't nag your dog with low-level corrections when you're not getting compliance. Remember, with a, with a dog-aggressive dog, you have to use a level of stimulation that is high enough to cause the dog to redirect away from the other dog and comply with the look command and engage with you when you want it to engage. And this may, it may take time. It's, as I said, it's going to vary with every dog. A point to mention on what type of remote collar 
to use for this training is that to train a dog with low-level stimulation, we need to have a collar that delivers the exact same level of, dis of stimulation every time we use it. Cheaper collars are not consistent. Every time you use one of these cheaper collars, they produce a different level of stimulation. And that just confuses our dogs. It doesn't matter if you haven't changed the setting. Some of these cheaper, inexpensive collars are, quite honestly, pardon my words, they're garbage. Uh, you have to have consistency from an electric collar to be able to train with low-level stimulation. That's why Learberg will never sell a cheaper collar just because of a price point. And in closing, I'll say that in my opinion, a good remote collar is the best training tool that's ever been invented. Unfortunately, electric collars are also one of the most abused training tools that's ever been invented. And let's keep in mind that every training tool can be abused. Over the past 30 years, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of electric collar training. And for those of you who take the time to learn how to incorporate remote collar training and low-level stimulation into their training system, you'll have the best tool that you could ever imagine for off-leash control. And I always recommend for anyone that's going to train with a remote collar that they put the collar on themselves, strap it on their leg, strap it on their arm, set it at the very lowest level of stimulation, and push the button to stimulate themselves. Turn the collar up just a little bit. Try and find the point where you just start to feel a slight tingle when you push the button. When you understand that, then you're going to understand and you'll probably find out that your dog may work at a lower level than that. Oftentimes dogs will feel this tingle uh, before humans do. So if you want to learn how to train dogs with remote collars, how to set levels, and train commands with low-level stimulation, then I recommend that you get one of the DVDs that we've produced on marker training and training dogs with remote collars.